Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Down Back Drop podcast. Hope everyone's doing well and having a great week. Today, I'm very fortunate enough to have Mr. Brock White on the podcast. Brock is a 2007 graduate of Methodist University, as well as our PGA Golf Manager program. He's originally from Winton, North Carolina, and he actually currently serves as our internship director for our PGA Golf Manager program. So very fortunate enough to have Brock in the studio today. I'm talking more about how he got to Methodist and specifically we'll talk more about internships and where some of our students can go and and where they've gone in the past as well. So Brock, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Connor. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun. Cool. All right. Well, Brock, uh, originally, like I said, you're from Witten, North Carolina. Um, kind of talk about your upbringing and how the game of golf came into your life as well. Yeah, sure. So as uh, many people would know that uh, you have no clue where Winton, North Carolina is. <laughs> so... so it is in the middle of nowhere, Farmtown, USA, North Carolina, about uh, three hours northeast of actually Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, roughly 15 miles from the uh, North Carolina-Virginia line. So um, very small town. Yeah, so then uh, how did I get into golf, I guess, is kind of the way it should go. So <laughs> believe it or not, when I was probably about five or six, my dad and uncle purchased a nine-hole golf course. Um again, in this very rural, small town, and then decided to run it as a family operation. So that's kind of how I got started in golf. And then when I was roughly 11, 12, my dad designed and built the back nine. So it turned into an 18-hole golf course. So luckily enough, I was able to see that process be included in that process at such a young age, um, as 11, 12-year-old would do, drive big equipment and have a lot of fun on... <laughs> On those things, laying sod and irrigation pipe, you know, at that point was fun. Now it's hard work for me. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, uh, that's kind of how I was brought up, and a lot of people along the way helped me with golf, and um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we're at with it. Cool, very nice. And and how'd you get to Methodist? Talk about the recruiting process as well, um, and just how you kind of came here and and wanted to be a PJ professional. Well, that's a funny story, Connor. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, as some people know and don't know, um, I wasn't the greatest student in high school. So, went to um, a college fair at Hertford County High School, which is our public school system, and met who now is the vice president of admissions, Rick Lowe. We spiked up a conversation, and um, luckily enough, they took a chance on me. Methodist was the only school to accept me to be you know, basically in college. And I was accepted what they called late admissions at that point. So I did not know until March, February of my senior year that I was accepted to college. So luckily enough, Methodist took a chance on me and I guess it's, uh, it's been good for me. So <laughs> luckily enough, um, I mean, I was told, um, in high school that I would never go to college and that I would never succeed. My guidance counselor told me that. So Lo and behold, I proved her wrong twice. Uh, yep. Finished my undergraduate here at Methodist in 2007, and then also finished my master's, my master's of business here at Methodist in 2014. So proved a couple of people uh, wrong along the way. So that was a lot of fun for me. Um, but that's that's kind of how I ended up at Methodist. Yeah, I, I think you said that story to me once. You, you told your guidance counselor you got into school and she didn't believe you, and then you said you finished your undergrad, didn't believe you, and then I think the MBA was a part of that too. So. Yeah, I did. Luckily enough, um, <laughs> we still have close ties to the school I went to. Graduated with eight total students in my class, um, so a very small private school in, in Hosky, North Carolina. And um, 
yeah, I graduated, went home, told my guidance counselor I graduated from college, and she said, no, I can't believe you. And then uh, four year, well, roughly four years later, I started my MBA. And then in 2014, I went back home and told her again that I graduated with my master's and they were going to let me teach in the classroom. So that was, <laughs> that was a lot of fun for me. Um, luckily enough, I had a lot of mentors along the way in high school that, that pushed me and said I could do it. Um, and then as we all go through transitions... We have different mentors at different times that, that really push us and tell us and, and believe in what we can do. And I think that's a huge part of, of my success, one, at Methodist, two, um, in the golf industry, and just doing what I love now. Great. And, and talk about your overall experience at Methodist, maybe some things you were involved in inside the PJ Golf Manager Program and out, um, and just kind of your overall experience as well, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. I had a... Um, I'll call it a little bit different experience at Methodist. Again, we know it as Methco, Methodist College at that point. <laughs> they actually changed the name my senior year, second mm. semester. So we actually graduated from Methodist University, but we <laughs> went to Methodist College. <laughs> Methodist College um, so sure. to my old school guys, Methco is still here. But um, I'd say I, I'd had a lot of different experiences. Um, I got involved really heavily in campus, um, RHA, FCA, in his grip, all the things that, you know, intramural sports, everything you could think of, I tried to get involved in and know people within. So that was my first step to networking. Again, coming from such a small town, I watched growing up farmers and basically my parents bartering. I mean, it was a network. So I felt like I needed to create a network somehow and still have a lot of friends through the regular university, not just PGM, that I know and, and see and still talk to. So I think that was a huge part. Um, I, I didn't live the normal college life. Um, as some of my family and colleagues know, I had a, had a, young, uh, a daughter at a young age, at 17. So I went home every weekend. Um, I did call it a suitcase campus. I lived <laughs> at a suitcase most of the time. But um, had her when I was 17, so I transitioned back and forth to college. Plus, I had a job on the weekends being a, actually a sound guy for beach music band. So I was a, <laughs> a jack-of-all-trades back in college, which was fun. But, um, yeah, I think, I think you just got to get involved, and, and that's what I did. Very cool. Thanks, Brock. And talk about your internships, where you went, and uh, maybe, some, maybe some information about each one of those, if you don't mind, too. Sure, yeah. So, um, very first internship, like most freshmen do, decide to go back somewhere close to home. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that later, but don't like to push you that way anymore. <laughs> so, we'll talk, we'll talk differently. But uh, my very first internship was at a golf course called Cedar Point Country Club. It's in Suffolk, Virginia. Actually sits on the point of two rivers and overlooks Portsmouth, uh, Virginia, which is a very beautiful site, 18-hole golf course. And then they had a par three executive course that wrapped around the, the actual clubhouse. Mm, so nice. a lot of fun. Um, I was pretty bored at it, um, believe it or not. Uh, worked in the golf shop very first year just because of growing up on a golf course. Had a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. um, but we probably had 10 to 20 rounds a day. Wow. So twiddled my thumbs quite a bit. Not, <laughs> not saying it was boring, but yeah. learned a lot of patience and worked on my short game a lot because right outside <laughs> of the pro shop, uh, you could hook the phone on your belt buckle and go chip and putt. But, <laughs> um, but I worked under a gentleman named Dan Stepnica there, a great professional, uh, treated me very well, let me do a lot of things. And then our uh, director of golf general manager at the time was TJ Young, 
which he's now out at the Cavalier um, Yacht Club um, in Virginia Beach. So still keep in touch with TJ. Haven't talked to Dan in quite a while, unfortunately, but um, they, they gave me a great opportunity to start there. Second internship ventured out a little bit. Um, if you'll notice, my trend here is I started in public golf. I went to an exclusive private country club at Cedar Point. The next summer I was like, okay, let me figure out something else to do. So I went to Hilton Head Island. I went to a resort. I wanted to really see what the golf industry had besides what I grew up in. So I wanted to experience everything. So uh, full resort mode, Port Royal and Shipyard, at that point had just been transitioned and bought out by Heritage Golf Group. So very good company. I worked um, about two and a half weeks at Port Royal, then they transitioned to me to Shipyard. So Shipyard <laughs> um, is a 27-hole facility. We did... Wow. Uh, we basically triple teed um, in the morning and then flipped the golf shop, sent two more double tees, shotguns out in the afternoon, and had a nine-hole course. So we did Jeez. three to four hundred rounds a day. So it's incredible. Previous internship <laughs> to that internship, completely different. I <laughs> yeah. uh, worked for a gentleman named Brian Mull there. Uh, Brian was a, a phenomenal golf professional, um, a, a, a good friend. Again, unfortunately, I haven't kept up with Brian very well. I know last time I spoke with him, he was at the Plantation Preserve in South Florida, one of the top public golf courses in South Florida. But um, I believe Brian's out of the golf industry now, unfortunately. But uh, I know he's doing well with whatever he's doing. But <laughs> had a great time in Hilton Head, as anybody can imagine. Made a lot of good friends, had a lot of good times, a lot of stories to be untold. But um, that was a, a good opportunity. Junior year... Uh, decided to go to the mountains of North Carolina, a place called Old Bow uh, Resort and Country Club. It's a 18-hole golf course. At that point, um, Mr. Satterfield was the one that uh, designed and built it, believe it or not. Um, and then I worked for uh, Billy Packard and Kirk Kennington, who were the two owners at that time. So I was hired by a... a, a a lady named Carol. I cannot remember her last name to yeah. save my life, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm doing well with names. <laughs> yeah, so um, you're firing them off. <laughs> and Tommy Maines is actually the general manager, and he's still there. So I've, I keep in touch with Tommy. But um, my first day of work, I walked in, and Carol basically handed me the keys to the golf shop and said, Brock, it's yours for three months. I have to have back surgery. Wow. So as wow. a junior in college, I'm like, uh, what do I do? Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a clue. And literally, I am now in charge of the golf shop, the snack bar, and all the staff. Wow. For the next three months. So for me, it was a trial by fire. It was a big summer for me. Um, had a great time up there. Loved the members. Loved the, the area. Made a lot of good friends. Still have some friends up there. Um, but it just didn't work out, unfortunately. They actually offered me the head professional position at the end of my that summer, uh, which was a lot, a lot of fun for me. But... Uh, just some things didn't work out. So, but uh, I think that worked out for the best for me, uh, which sure. is a good thing. So, beautiful place up there. And then my last one um, stayed close to Fayetteville, um, became a true Fayetteville native. <laughs> um, it's a little um, a 36 hole private facility on the outskirts of Sanford, North Carolina. So, I worked for a gentleman named Mike Crick. A lot of you will notice that last name, Crick because of our Crick Teaching and Technology Center. That was donated by his family. So Mr. Crick, which is funny, was the head professional 
while I was in school here. So I worked for Mr. Crick my freshman and sophomore <laughs> years on the range, um, picking the range and setting it up and doing all those fun things, and then worked for Mike for three and a half years as his assistant. So it's uh, very close with that family and uh, still close with Mike. He's now up in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. so doing really well up there. Very cool. Nice. Thanks for sharing some great experiences, especially that, that third one, getting the, the keys. How old were you? Like 20? Uh, so let's see, junior year. 21. Probably, uh, right? 20, 21. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, it was, man, I That's just, cool. I can't explain it. It, yeah. it was absolutely amazing experience. The, the hardest part I would say is I was in charge of everything. So I would yeah. literally check a group in, ask them if they wanted breakfast, uh, walk across the hall, go cook them breakfast in a snack bar. <laughs> but yeah. But that's the only thing I knew growing up in my, my parents' golf shop. You did the same thing. Mm -hmm. The snack bar was right next to the golf shop. You know, my my mom and they had an, another lady that, that helped her run the snack bar area. And so when you checked a golfer in, that was the only thing you knew. You're like, yeah. hey, do you want breakfast? I'll go cook you a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, <laughs> you know? So it was it was that type of facility, mm -hmm. and that's what the members, and you had very few guests, but it was a, sure. a semi-private at that point, I think more of a resort now than it was back then. Great, great. Thanks again for sharing, Brock. Appreciate it. So talk more about your experiences post-grad, um, kind of after that last internship and, and how you're now the internship director at Methodist. Sure. So yeah, as I mentioned, um, stayed at Carolina Trace Country Club. Uh, now it's uh, no longer member-owned. It's actually owned by Escalante Golf. Mm -hmm. Great facility still, 36 holes, Robert Trench on Senior Designs, but work there under Mike Crick. Um, Luckily enough, a, a roommate of mine, my my senior year, Mike Vugrenik, uh, Mike told him that he needed a second intern, and Micah came to me and goes, hey, you're coming to work for us at Carolina Trace. I said, okay, why not? Um, so they took a chance on me. Then Micah took a head professional position in 2008 right after our clubhouse burnt down. Um, so that was a different experience as well. We worked out of a won an RV for about uh, five weeks, and then we transitioned <laughs> into a double-wide trailer for the wow. next 17 months. So I have some different experiences along the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, stayed with Mike there for, again, roughly three and a half years, uh, then actually had the opportunity to become a head professional. As many of you know, the King's Grant Golf and Country Club, that's about a mile and a half from campus, <laughs> uh, became the head professional there in June of 2010. And then... Um, had a great experience there. Love the members. Love the the people I worked for. Ron Stevenson, our director of golf, was really good. He was a past president of the Carolinas PGA, so I got some great experience along the way. But um, it it just wasn't what I wanted anymore. I had I had goals and aspirations of being a head professional and did that at 25, and then I was kind of looking at myself, hey, what's next, Brock? Mm -hmm. um, so then Mr. Hogg, um, they posted the position over at Methodist as the recruiter. And I was like, well, let me just take a look at it. So I called Mr. Hogg, Mr. Bruns. Still had a great relationship with those guys. Um, again, Mr. Bruns um, and Coach Tomachowskis came my junior year to Methodist. So I still had a relationship with everybody. Coach Conley, Mr. Hogg were here at that point. So I knew the entire team um, and, again, took a chance on me. So uh, became the recruiter in November of 2011, and then it's all history from there. And now I've been <laughs> here uh, just over nine years on campus at Methodist, but working for Methodist for over 10 years now. Very cool. Appreciate that. Thanks for sharing as well. Um, something I also want to talk about before we get into internships and, and kind of your current role as the 
internship director. You're, you're very involved in the, the Carolinas PGA as well. Um, talk about your role and, and kind of how you serve um, the, the members of the PGA of, of the Carolinas section as well. Sure. The uh, Carolinas PGA is broken down into what we call 10 chapters. So North and South Carolina, um, and then they're split up geographically um, by basically by area. So everybody can have their own chapter director. So luckily enough, in I think it was April of 2017, um, I was voted in to become the next area director to start in 2018. Um, but the current director left a little earlier, took a new position. Uh, that was Jens, Jens Klimschi. He was the head professional director of golf here at Highlands in, or Highland Country Club here in uh, Fayetteville, but then moved to McGregor Downs. But uh, So I took over immediately. So as soon as he moved out of the area, they let me take over med- uh, immediately. So I became a board of director member on the Carolinas PGA section board, uh, which is a very unique experience. Um, I would say I thought I knew a lot about what was going on in the section level, and I thought I knew a lot about the PGA, but I did not. Mm. Um, there's a lot of things that I've been involved with now. Um, luckily enough that Bob Burns, our president, took a chance on me again, and now I'm the chair of the Associate Education Committee, so uh, working with a team to provide education and keep um, the associates, which are the opposite side of PGA students, in the golf industry. So we we try to help them in every way possible make it through the same levels, level one, two, and three, to gain their PGA membership. But um, very involved, uh, try to get involved every way I can. If you haven't noticed, that's kind of a theme of mine. <laughs> um, I Again, networking is is a huge thing for me. So... But it's been a great opportunity. Um, serve my area. I have 169 members that are in my area, so including Pinehurst, all the way out to Albemarle, North Carolina, which is Old North State, um, and just below kind of Raleigh, all the way to Fayetteville. So I have quite a few professionals in my area. Uh, we do education, tournaments, events. So we do all kinds of stuff to, to try to promote what the PGA professional is and what their image is and what they do. Very cool. Thank, thanks for that, Brock. Appreciate it. So internships. Yeah, this is the this, <laughs> this is the fun part of my yeah, job now. This is your your baby. So so kind of talk about you know where students can go, how many there are, how much it's grown over the years. You'll get into it, but just kind of talk more about just internships uh, for a PJ golf manager student here at Methodist. Sure. Yeah. Luckily, um, again, Mr. Kuntz, as everybody knows, was phenomenal at his job. So he served uh, as our internship director for I think almost 19 years. So I had big shoes to fill. Um, luckily enough, I was able to work behind. I call it behind Mr. Coons at the PGA show and watch what he did. So, and every person that walked up to that booth knew Mr. Coons mm. and very professional. The if if there was if you look up gentleman in the dictionary, that would be Mr. Coons. Mm, he was phenomenal, professional all the way through and through. So, luckily enough, I had the opportunity to to watch and grow and learn what Mr. Coons did and 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 move through my next stage. But um, saying that, then there's more and more requests every year. So it gets <laughs> tougher and tougher. And unfortunately, the way the, the industry is right now, there's less and less students going into golf. So when I started at Methodist, there were nine total PGA golf management schools. We grew to 20, um, and now we're at 18. Mm-hmm. So it, I think there's still very similar amount of students going into golf. I think they're just spread a little thinner throughout all the schools. Mm-hmm. 
But so in saying that, we had a, a huge database with Mr. Kuntz. Um, I would roughly say when I started in 2016, probably 250 to 300 requests normally in what he called his binder. He'd give you this huge three-ring binder and say, Brock, just go look through it. You know, figure out what you want to do and let me know. We'll, we'll work through it. I said, well, i got to take that into the new generation. Everybody, <laughs> everything's more technology-driven now. Um, these students are much more advanced than we are. Um, and so I, I created, oh, lo and behold, we just use a Google Docs now, but it's available 24-7 to our students. Um, as soon as a request comes in, it automatically gets updated on our job board. And as I checked it on Friday before I left, so I had a true number for you today, <laughs> we had 619 requests. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and what that form looks like, it is basically the facility, the professional who's in charge, or the supervisor to contact that gives all the information there. Then it breaks it down. It asks for amount of pay. It asks for how many hours they should assume to work in a normal week. It asks the full job description. It asks if they provide housing or not, if they offer any other amenities. So employee discounts or meals or all of those things. Um, so every form that comes in, it asks those same questions. So we have pretty much the same data for every facility. So if a student then goes and wants to look at that form, it is alphabetized by state. So you literally start in Alaska and just work your way down, which is a lot of fun to go and see just because it is just sure chaos, realistically, <laughs> um, to have 619 requests for the number of students we have in our program. Um, so it's, it's the supply chain now doesn't meet the demand. It's an overwhelming demand for interns. So the golf industry is a big industry to get into right now just because of the way the trends are going. And if you need a job, I've got six of them for you to pick from basically <laughs> per student, maybe more now. So, but yeah, we have a, a huge piece for that, for that internship board. Very, very cool. So um, also kind of talk about um, these internships specifically, where some students can go. Um, and I'll, they're obviously in the golf industry, but kind of talk about, you know, where they can go and, and all those good things as well. Sure. I'll uh, coin the same phrase Mr. Kuntz used to use, from Maine to Miami and the Outer Banks to Pebble Beach and anywhere <laughs> in between. Uh, that is uh, plus we can add in international now. Um, a little tougher right now during the pandemic, but um, international has started opening up. Um, it's been about two or three years since the PGA started allowing some international. Um, as you know, you did one over in Ireland, <laughs> but we've had a couple of students in Europe, Ireland, India, Thailand. Uh, we have some graduates in China. So we have a lot of other opportunities out there, but normally we're sticking to the continental United States. But yeah, um, you name it. Um, you can look at the who's who's of the top 100, or you can um, go to your mom and pop public golf courses, uh, teaching academies, PGA sections. Um, if you can think of the golf industry as a whole, more than likely we can help get an internship there. The ones um, that are a little tougher now, um, a lot of the fitness side of golf. So we're working to hopefully change that and get that into a classification to where it will count. Um, unfortunately, it still doesn't classify under the right PGA Class A to work for. But And then... Um, club fitting, club repair, those types of internships are, are, are starting to come on board. So we have more and more students that decide they want to be a 
a sales rep or a club fitter or some of those things. So more and more of those opportunities are coming on board as well. But normal through and through green grass facilities would take up 75, 80% of that list. Um, but yeah, that's the, the fun part of across the nation. <laughs> Great. And, and one of the big questions that I get with prospective students and, and families when they, they come and visit and talk with me um, is about housing. It, it's a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of talk about that concern, if you don't mind, as well. Sure. So the breakdown that I mentioned earlier, um, one to start with, the PGA requires that all the internships are paid. So no matter where you go, you're getting paid to work. Um, these are not free volunteer jobs or any of those things. You, you are getting money to work. So luckily enough, parents like hearing that. <laughs> um, I would classify the, the question you asked with housing. Um, I would break it down into thirds. So usually the way you see it is there's a third of these facilities that will offer housing at no charge. So if you come into my office and go, Brock, man, I, I really want to go to the Northeast. Okay, well, let's narrow it down a little bit. Okay, I really want to go to New York. Okay, and I need housing. I need this. There's a way for us to finagle that list down, and I can, I can provide you with 10 to 15 facilities that will almost check every box that you came in with, which is, it's a lot of fun seeing. So students are, are able to look at, everything and and really get the experience that they want for that summer so that third will provide housing the second third um you're going to see it they may provide it at a cost so they'll say they provide housing but it may be a hundred dollars a week or three four hundred dollars a month or you know there's some type of stipend assistance for housing Um, and then there's other facilities that would just say hey we don't provide housing but also when you look at what they're paying you. So it's the same thirds, right? The third that provide housing, you're usually going to see is the lower end of what you get paid. The ones that provide housing at a cost, you're going to see a little bit mid-range. And then the ones that do not provide housing at all usually pay you the most. Um, so that's it's just unique on, on what you can do and where you can go. But those are kind of, that's how I would break down the, the housing piece of it. Great. Thank you. And for the perspective students listening, I know you kind of talked a little bit about um, kind of that, that first year, but talk about it. If a student would come to Methodist, kind of talk about the process of, of them getting their first internship and also talk also about the, the freshman seminar series. You kind of started that whole thing. And I was a part of that my freshman year as well. And it was very beneficial to myself and other students alike, but kind of talk about that piece as well, if you don't mind. I did. Yeah. Mr. Hogg. Um, <laughs> it's just funny. To, to break this down as a, a good old Southern boy teaching different things, and you'll understand that in a minute. But we eat with our hands here in the South, and, and I'm now teaching um, etiquette and fine dining. <laughs> so, um, But Mr. Hogg came to me with an idea in 2012, and, and we kind of ran with it. So we now have um, beginning of the freshman year starting. Students arrive usually middle of August, and first week in September, they go to their first seminar. This is resume writing and cover letters. So we, we dive into the first thing, basically two weeks into school, we're, we're already talking about resumes. We're talking about jobs. The second one is uh, dressed for success in interviewing. Um, so these are all two-hour seminars held each week. The third one would be, again, fine dining and etiquette. And then the fourth one, we actually sit down at a six-course meal and have a full etiquette coach, uh, Betsy Abbott, which is, runs our 
National League of Junior Cotillion here in Fayetteville. Uh, phenomenal coach, and she's done it for us probably uh, five or six years now. So she's really good at, at what she does, and she has a lot of fun, and, and, and we bring her in each year. But that's kind of the, the first start to our freshman year. Um, I, give the, I give each student what I call an internship manual. So we designed this, um, again, back in, um, I want to say 2015. Uh, I took on this task to design what we call an internship manual. It comes with um, basically a guide to everything I just talked about in those four seminars. <laughs> nice. So it, it really it gives you ideas and samples and how to write a resume. It gives you ideas and samples on uh, cover letters. It talks about what you should wear and shouldn't wear to different types of interviews because say you're going to a normal green grass, you know, facility, you're not going to show up in, you know, what I would call bright clothing and, um, you know, popped collar and some of those things. <laughs> you're going to be a little more traditional and want to wear a, a white button down shirt with a nice tie and a, you know, I would go back to the normal PGA, you know, blue blazer, khaki pants or suit where if you're going to go maybe work for a Peter Millar, uh, you may show up in a little different attire because they may want to see your personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we, we start gauging on what really you want to go do to decide what you're going to wear. Um, Mr. Hogg has a bunch of stories about sending students off and practicing what they wear. So for all of these seminars, our students are required to wear business attire. We get to see what they think business attire is when they show up that first night. <laughs> Um, and I would say 99% of the time we're, we do really well. Most of them, uh, learn to not wear Sperry's. Um, that's a, a common, <laughs> you know, comfort. I like it. But, um, we talk about dress shoes. We talk about actually wearing socks. You know, some of them show up in loafers with no socks and nothing's wrong with that, but it's just, we're still very traditional in the golf industry and, and we like to see and look a certain way is the way I would call it. We've been gearing a little differently, but. Um, I think still the golf professional still likes to see somebody show up in a shirt and tie. I always say it's better to overdress than to underdress. You can always take clothes off uh, or you can <laughs> always take that tie off. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the way we start the process. Um, right after that, so I would say October 1, um, we really start talking about where they want to go, what they want to do. They can start meeting with me as soon as they get to school if they want. But we write that resume, get it started. They turn the resume in the second uh, second week of the seminars, and we actually go through them. Um, not that red ink is always a bad thing, but it's it's always what they look at so they can see what we would like to change or what we'd like to update and just the kind of way we want to look at their resume. A resume, a resume is based on your personality, so we think that's what should come through, not not every resume should be cookie cutter and look the exact same way, in my opinion, because that doesn't show your true expression or who you are. So we really, really focus on resumes and interviewing skills. But then we start meeting, and I tell them to narrow it down. Some of them will come in and go, yeah, Brock, I want to go to the Northeast. I'm like, okay, well, that's you know seven <laughs> states up there. Where, where in those seven states? And then they go, well, I, I may want to narrow it down to this area. I'm like, okay. How about let's pick 10 facilities that you like or go to that list and let's find your top 10. And then when they come in, I, can, I go, okay, I need your top three in order, number one, number two, and number three. And that's where we start. Um, I don't want to send out 
10 resumes to 10 different facilities because one, I, I don't want the student to have to go through and tell nine different facilities that I can't accept your position. That's unfair to one, the professional, and two, to the student, because more than likely in the climate today is they're going to get out of the, if they send out 10 resumes, they're probably going to get seven offers. It's, it's scary to say that, but that's, that's the truth of the matter sure, right now. Yeah. So that's, that's the way we really start. Um, and then we just keep narrowing it down and massaging until they finally get their first interview. Um, most of the time starts with a phone, could be a Skype or a FaceTime. You know, we're a lot more technolog- technologically advanced now. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, so, yeah, that's really kind of how the process goes to, to really start to decide what they want to do. And it's, it's a lot of fun getting to see what they want to do and what they think four years later that they're going to end up doing, which is nowhere close to where they, <laughs> where they want to start usually. I think it's the same for both of us. can change a little bit over time. <laughs> Always does. I still don't know what I want to do. So, <laughs> you know. That's all right. So uh, speaking of prospective students, like I asked you last time, uh, just get some advice for some prospective students that are looking at, at Methodist and, and uh, thinking about uh, becoming a student here. Well, um, so as you've, as you heard me keep preaching on is networking. So I would, I would say no matter what you do in college or wherever you decide to go, if it's Methodist, then I'm 100% on board. But I I know that it it always has to line up. I still use the same thing uh, Coach Inchowskis always said, healthy, happy, safe. This is a triangle, and we have to meet all three of those. If not, unfortunately, we're not the place for you. Uh, And it's it's okay for that. And even if you come here and it it still doesn't work, it's it's okay. But my advice, um, try to experience everything you can in college. Get involved wherever you can because, again, you never know when that network is going to happen. Very small story to that is uh, through the band that I played in in FCA, I was lucky enough to play on the worship team here, I met another guitarist, and he is now my financial advisor. So it's it's unique how these little things progress through. but just getting involved, volunteer, um, give back to the community, give back to the university um, in every way you can. If it's little show you care days, if it's picking up pine cones, if it's mowing grass, I don't, it doesn't matter. But I think that's where the biggest advice is, is just to, to be involved and to get to know people because believe it or not, there's some, some pretty cool people that you get to meet along the way professor-wise, stay after class one day and just talk to your professor. I found out some of my professors were a lot smarter than I thought they were just having normal conversations with them um, after class and and just sitting around talking is kind of fun. Nice. Very very cool as well. Um, I I guess, what's something you learned while you were a student at Methodist? It could have been out on an internship. It could have been maybe post-grad, what have you, that you learned that you still use till this day? <laughs> Man, I learned a lot of life lessons along the way. Um, I would say in college, where I didn't do in high school, I, I learned that you have to be very disciplined. Um, it's not just one piece that, that made me see that or, or, or kind of focus on that, but in order for me to prove the people to thought I couldn't do it wrong, then I had to be disciplined. Mm. Um, did I want to go out and have a good time? Did I want to go see friends? Did I want to go to that movie? Or did I need to study for that exam to make sure I passed? So I think 
just, it, it's difficult to say, but again, there's not one moment in time, but, and I had different people in my life that helped push me along the way. That's, that's the unique part. You don't, you don't see it in that moment, but now looking back again, I mean, I graduated 13, almost 14 years ago now <laughs> come May, but you, you don't notice the, the range supervisor that you worked for that took you to dinner every now and again, what that, what that meant. Um, and, and that translationed into or transitioned into when I was a head professional, did I take care of my outside staff? And luckily enough, two of those guys are now head professionals. So I think you learn, again, there's a lot of different things you learn and, and see, but I think the biggest thing is, is, um, no one at college is going to actually be there to wake you up. No one's going to tell you to turn in your work on time, turn in your assignments on time. So I think just just being disciplined and working through it and learning that maturity level comes along with with time. So yeah, I think right. I think that would be my. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that I could talk about, but I think that would be the the main one that I would focus on is is discipline. Cool. Thank, thank you. Appreciate that. So last thing here, we'll end on a, a fun little topic. So I've been doing this the last couple of podcasts. Again, Brock does not know these questions. So this is all going to be uh, um, very new to him. So a couple pop questions here. So first one, three words to describe you. Three words to describe me. Wow. Um, that's, that's a good one. Um, my, my wife would say... Um, <laughs> uh, I w- there's a couple of different ways I could go with that one, Connor. I don't, man. Um, in involved, mm-hmm. um, I I always try to jump at any task that's thrown at me. Um, I I sometimes put a lot too much on my plate at some you know points in time, but luckily we work through it. So I'd say involved, um, quirky. Um, I have a a different sense of humor. Um, I think that that our whole staff would would learn that, but um, and then, man, that last one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's okay. A, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah I, that's, <laughs> it's that's all a good. tough one. Yeah, it's all good. Cool. Uh, if you could be one person for a day, who would it be and why? Man, um, hmm. Believe it or not. Um, and Mr. Hogg would would tell everybody this, but if I could be the the one tour van rep at a PGA tour event, that would that would be. It could be. I mean, a lot of you guys know who Scotty Golf is. Um, that Titleist tour van. Any any of those. I think I would I would love to do that for a day. I wouldn't want the travel for the thirty two to thirty six weeks a year. Um, but that was my dream job back in the day. So I, if I, if I could do that for one day, I think that would be a lot of fun. If I got to work on, you know, somebody's, some PGA tour players clubs and I didn't mess it up. So I've, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, do you have a hidden talent? Um, uh, some of, some people know, um, I have a lot of hobbies as I would call them. So, but I would say hidden talent could be my woodworking skills. Um, I have, I have fun. I build a lot of things, uh, work around the house. I do a lot of different stuff, um, that a lot of people would be hiring, 
hiring other people mm-hmm. to do. So I've saved myself a lot of money along the ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say woodworking um, would be be my hidden talent. So. Cool. Last one. That's a fun one. What is your go-to toppings on a pizza? <laughs> Ooh, I'm a I'm a basic guy. I don't I don't like a lot of stuff. So usually, if I order pizza, it's going to be a pepperoni and sausage pizza. Um, very basic. No no fun frills. I'm not a. I mean. I'm not the healthiest person alive, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not about the rabbit food on there, unfortunately. That's so fair. yeah, I'm more of a pepperoni sausage and cheese kind of guy. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Brack, really appreciate you coming on the Down Backdrop podcast. Really appreciate your time and giving a little more insight to the to the listeners about your life and how you came to Methodist and especially internships. Super important. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Connor. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Down Backdrop Podcast with Mr. Brock White. Have a great weekend and happy Friday.